Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. The honeybee is vital to the environment. Bees, Scotty. Bumblebee! Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Yeah. Bees are funny. You're not interested in what happened to the bees. Do you have any idea what those bees can do? Welcome to Killer Bees, a podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Tori Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. We are also a part of the Movie John Podcast Network. That's the Philadelphia John, J-A-W-N. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider. Our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And today... We are going through the second half of Vincent Price's career for our season finale. Woo! Season three finale. Yay. Yes. Bzz, 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 bzz. Good stuff. Um, which, you know, looking forward to having a slight break now that we're getting into super busy holiday season. Uh, but also excited to get back, um, especially because we had uh, a friend of the show and uh, someone whose podcast I've been on a couple times suggest someone really cool uh, to do for next season. So hoping to have him on as a guest and talk about that. Um, but yeah, we are, you know, looking forward to the time we have and doing Vincent Price as our big finale is great, especially since it means I get to enjoy Halloween just like the tiniest bit longer as we are now in November. So this feels very nice. Yeah, we got to extend our, uh, well, I don't know. We're always watching these movies all year long, but you know. You know, Halloween decorations are still up, unclear when they're coming down, still put on the lights every night, even though I'm sure our neighbors think we're crazy, but whatever. I doubt it. I think this is pretty normal. Yeah, sure. <laughs> this has become normal. Um, yeah, so we will be talking about uh, Vincent Price's career um, from the 70s onwards. Uh, but before we do that, uh, are there any movies we've seen recently that you would like to talk about? Uh, I presume you would like to talk about the movie we went to see yesterday. Oh, of course. I mean, it's the only movie that I can think of currently. Yeah, I mean, there are maybe a couple of others. Like, we could talk about Weird, which I thought was pretty fun and funny. Did you enjoy Weird, the Al Yankovic story? I was like, what did we watch that was called Weird? The oh, Al Yankovic yeah. yeah, that was fun. It was funny. I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, I really liked uh, Radcliffe in it. I thought he like committed to the Al thing really well. I thought yeah. that movie just committed to its own bit very well. Funny. There were a couple moments that were, like, literally the funniest. Um, Like, if you haven't seen it yet, there's a party scene where, like, all of these really great comedic actors are dressed up as, like, very famous, like, not, like, very famous, but, like, uh, like cult famous kind of artists and, yeah. Kitsch actors. Yeah. Uh, Like, someone is dressed as Divine, which was amazing. Uh, The actor dressed as Pee Wee Herman is, like, literally the perfect person they could have picked for that. But specifically, uh, Conan has an appearance that like actually killed me when he appeared on screen and I realized who he was playing Um, but yeah there there's some really good moments in that movie I enjoyed it a lot really enjoyed it thought it was very fun and funny and then the other thing I thought we could talk about is um, Panos Cosmatos's 
episode of uh, oh, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Yeah. I am uh, which so, is called the Viewing. I am so biased because yeah. which we need to talk about that because that is like uh, Killer Bee's news. Uh, yes. Because former uh, Killer Bee uh, yeah. that we have talked about, Peter Weller is one of the stars. Did not know he starred in this, and it is an incredible part for Peter Weller. He is great. Like he he knows exactly like what he was cast as, yes. and he fucking delivers. Yes. Um, and is like like every line he delivers is so good and just like I don't know rolls off the tongue mm-hmm. like there's one line that I keep thinking of when he like passes a joint around for everyone and the girl like hands it to him and he's like I don't smoke that hippie shit and <laughs> yeah. I was like yeah Peter Weller <laughs> the delivery that really fucking made me laugh is because he's supposed to be this like beyond rich rich person in this uh, who like the rules of society don't apply to because he's so rich kind of uh, at some point, somebody mentions like, "Hey, you re- like voting is probably like one of the best ways to like get something done or whatever." And Peter Weller goes, "Voting, yikes!" <laughs> Which like when th- it was like, "Oh yeah, like how how could you ever talk to like an uber rich person <laughs> yeah. about voting? It's like nothing matters to them yeah. at that point." And that I feel like he really drives like that across so well because yeah. I think he's even supposed to be more rich than like the people we think of when we talk yes. about billionaires, you know? Yeah, he's um, supposed to be like the elite class that people like conspiracy theorize about. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that that is like a hundred percent what he's doing. And it is like he understands that so well. Yeah. Um, he's terrific in it. And, and it's I, just I feel a... like I've seen mixed things on this one in particular, uh-huh. but like we uh-huh. we are so in love with Cosmatos yeah. and just his like in his general vibe like his aesthetic yeah. his vibe is very much our speed yeah. it's like i don't know it's like the stuff that you and i bonded over is like what he's doing as like a yeah. filmmaker you know what i mean and um, like uh it, former guest of the show amber who runs horn blood fire podcast yes. i was on um earlier in the year talking about beyond the black rainbow mm-hmm. which was my first time watching that before mm-hmm. that i had only seen mandy mm-hmm. and then i was like Oh no, this guy is like exactly my shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it just, it's got terrific music. It's all vibes and it's funny. It's really funny. It's, it's funny. It looks amazing. Yeah. I think you said it when we were watching it. Like, why doesn't, why is like he the only person that makes movies that look like this? It's got a particular look that when you look at it, you go like, oh, this is what things looked like in like the mid 80s. You know, this yeah. is just like how things looked in the mid 80s. And like, why it's like don't... this hazy, grainy, like yeah. neon. Like... And it's just one of those things where I watch stuff now and I go like, how come things don't look like that anymore? Things should always look like this. And my assumption is like uh, it has something to do with uh, cost and the kind of film and the blah, 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 that there's all these reasons. But it's like then he just does it. And so it's like, so you can do it. Yeah. It's like a choice people are making to not do that, basically. And I don't know why you would make that choice. Yeah, it's crazy to me yeah. um yeah i i fucking loved this so much yeah, i think people should give him all the money i know he is working on another project according to letterbox they haven't like picked like even a year that it mm. is coming out but mm. i i want i want to see a cosmatos movie like maybe not every year because right. that's probably hard considering how like beautiful these films look yes. but like as frequently as possible please give cosmatos mm-hmm. money to yep. make a movie and like let him do what now he's done like twice in a row which is take like a, I'm not going to say, uh, I'll say like a ripe movie star, mm. like somebody that's been doing it for a very long time 
and let him just like write a part specifically for them. Yeah. Because Cage and Mandy and Weller in this, I think, are incredible. And it's yeah. like him writing particularly to those actors and their strengths and their like movie star charisma mm. and the kinds of things that they can only do now that they've been in the game for 30, 40 years. You know well, what I mean? And then he's also like really good at making these like not they're not all cult leaders, but these like culty mm -hmm. ideologist kind of people uh, like Weller's character, like the cult leader in Mandy yep. and like the um, person who runs the asylum the facility, um, yeah. and beyond mm -hmm. uh, because I mean, they're all so interesting. They all have these this like very specific ideology that like is is like kind of interesting and understandable. Like there is something to it, but then they're also like fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I I just find all of that really interesting because that that's also very much my shit. Like, oh yeah, give me some like weird philosophy to latch yeah. onto, and I'm fucking there. Like, uh, I brought up in the middle of the viewing, um, uh, under the Silver Lake because there's like oh, some stuff in the viewing that reminded me of the what did they what was he called the music man the musician the the songwriter the songwriter sounds the most right something like that can't remember yeah um that scene in under the silver lake is like incredible and this felt like almost like an hour-long version of that scene yeah so definitely check it out I, it. we haven't watched the rest of them but we probably will i would really um, like to i know vincenzo natale made one who's a favorite of mine and yes so there, there i know there's like other really interesting people that worked yeah. on these and um del toro is doing like straight from the book like doing uh, Rod Serling yeah. in the Night Gallery and I mean I love Rod Serling mm -hmm. um, I just anytime I see someone that is like doing this ode to him it is like very emotional for me so immediately <laughs> right off the bat I was like oh yep I'm here this is good <laughs> yep uh, now do you want to talk about really quick what we saw yesterday uh, decision to leave yes the new Park Chan-wook what a fucking beautiful weird like romantic thriller like yeah. everything about this fucking worked for me i mean park chan wook is another one of those directors that i think can do no wrong um I, he's another person everything i see i'm like there i'm on board um yeah, you even rewatched old boy with me to find out that like i do actually like this it's yeah. like it's hard but like yeah, i, like I it. hated yeah. old boy the first time i watched it i was fucking angry as shit that i w had to sit through it and i feel like now that i have become much more like entrenched in a lot of like genre stuff i yeah. appreciated it much more specifically the humor of that movie yeah. i was like really on board with this time around and I think he is really good with like very comedic moments in like pretty serious pieces mm -hmm. and one thing I specifically love about a lot of these like South Korean directors who we've watched and really love is that somehow like South Korea is making like genre films but all of them are like Oscar worthy, like incredible, like films. There, like it's, it's they have managed to synthesize prestige drama with genre. Yeah, in a way that like Americans, like we, like Zodiac is the only time we ever kind of got there. You know what I mean? Yep. And they they have figured it out. Yeah. And so every time like one of their prestige directors makes a movie, I'm like, oh great, I know this is gonna have like the weird genre shit that I really yep. love, but it is also going to be like impeccably made, have all of this money behind it, and like maybe actually win awards because it's like so fantastic. Yeah. Um so yeah, this was this was one of those movies. This is like a movie about two like deeply weird, troubled people that are like absolutely in love with each other and 
the whole film is structured like a love letter to each of those people. And I think it's there's even a thing of like, you know, they're not letters per se, but they're almost like a modern day version of it. All those like voice memos that they're like sending back and forth and stuff. That is like literally just them like waxing poetically about their love for that person. Yeah. 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 I, I was like very much like in just like in that movie, like the rest of the day and night. It's so good. The mountain and the sea. Yep. Um, yeah. So like tons of good watches. Um, other things I've watched recently that I really loved are Kodako, uh, uh, which is from the director of um, Tetsuo the Iron Man. Um, I thought that was really fucking great. I love Tetsuo, so it was cool to watch one oh, of the other films. Oh, I didn't know you watched Kodako, That's, and it was good. Yeah, I really liked it. It has some of the chaos energy of Tetsuo, but it is much more of a structured film like about a very troubled woman. Mm, but like okay. that chaos is still there, which is kind of wild to see. Yeah, that's interesting. Um. Also watched um, I Like Bats, which is part of the Kerala Janice House of Psychotic Women uh, box set that just came out. It's also streaming on Shudder. It's a really strange movie about a woman who thinks she is a vampire and meets this psychiatrist that she wants to cure her, but also like falls in love with him. Um, and that, that was, good. was really great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's been like a lot of good, just like weird viewings as of late. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we should talk about Vinny. Let's get into Vincent, um, Mr. Price. So yeah, we'll, we'll start with his career in the 70s. Um, so he did a ton of television in the 70s and a lot of like, like kind of runs the gambit of just like what was popular at the time. Um, so he was on The Love Boat, Brady Bunch, Variety Hour, The Bionic Women, Carol Burnett Show, The Night Gallery. Again, love it. Mm-hmm. The regular Brady Bunch, the Jimmy Stewart show, Columbo, and the hilarious house of Frightenstein in which he narrated. What the hell is that? I have no idea. Sounds but, great. Like all of the big things he is in. Um, yeah. which I think just show like how Vincent really like runs the gambit of like anything and everything. He was just like a popular personality, even though like B movie schlock was like kind of his bread and butter. Right. Um in 1970, he was on a evening with Edgar Allan Poe, uh, in which he recites four Edgar Allan Poe stories, The Telltale Heart, the Sphinx, The Cask of Amandio, and The Pit and the Pendulum. Awesome. Which is very cool. Yeah, it's crazy that he's like, he's like a household name at this point, oh, yeah. right? He's just like in your living room, because he's like a cool guy that you like. Yeah. And yeah. again, like I really think Jeffrey Combs is like the 80s price, yeah. because especially with their love of Poe. Yeah. And how much they like embed that into a lot of the work work they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to see this just because Telltale Heart is one of my favorite Poe stories. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then after that, he is in a movie called Scream and Scream Again, which we watched mm-hmm. we because sure uh, Price, Cushing, and Lee are all top builds. So we were like, "Fuck yes, yeah. let's watch one of these yes. like Price Lee Cushings. It's yep. gonna be amazing." Yeah, because by the way, there are multiple Price Lee Cushing movies. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, they are barely fucking in the movie. Yeah, I think they each get two scenes. I think there's two scenes apiece. Yeah. Um, uh, and by the end, they each feel significant enough to me 
But for most of the runtime, I was like, wow, oh, this might have been a mistake for for old Vincent. Yes. So one of so after we watched this movie, I was like, what the fuck? And so then I went on IMDb, and the first trivia thing they had was Vincent Price in interviews several years after this movie was made said he never understood the script at all. Yeah. Uh, this is an insane <laughs> movie. It's got like three totally separate plot lines that almost never come together they connect maybe in like the last 20 minutes of the movie but for the most part you're watching all of these threads and being like these things are drastically different like we are talking about like someone who is like draining people of their blood so maybe a vampire and then there are these like communists or like like neo-nazi group that we're also watching and then there's i feel like there's another plot in there too there's the person getting dismembered oh yes there's someone who is just like in a room and every time we cut back to them they are like missing another body part and so it is like you you just have no idea what's happening but none of those things seem to have anything to do with each other until the very very end of the movie and like the neo-nazi thing is crazy because it's a significant plot line but they never tell us they don't they're not literally wearing swastikas it's like some other symbol they never tell us where they are, where they're from. We never really know what time period we're in, but they speak as if they are the current ruling power in whatever place they are. Yeah. And so it's as if like Nazis have risen to power in the world of this movie, but it's like totally unclear. But not where, everywhere. Right. It's unclear where that's happening. Yeah. Uh, it's really strange. Because it seems like it does, it is supposed to take place, like, at least by the look of it in modern, like, 70s, right. like, England. Right. But then we are going to all these other places. Um, and then, yeah, like, one of the things... So this is based on a novel. Okay. The original novel features aliens as the villains, what? but they replaced them with communists in the movie version. Okay. And aliens almost make more sense yes. because there is this weird, like, plot of, like, kind of like a body snatcher's plot yeah. towards the end of it. And yeah. so aliens, like, feel like the right move in that case. Yes, they <laughs> do make more sense, actually. Yes. You're right, yeah. Uh, but instead we get communists like it's almost trying to have this like political kind of like undertones and conversation but like that actually never comes across enough either and like the 70s body snatchers movie and i guess even the 50s body snatchers movie is ultimately like kind of about the spread of communism and so it's almost like they over literalized the like yeah they're like what if we take the subtext out and we just make it text and then it makes no sense yeah exactly (laughs) um so yeah kind of strange that way Cushing was a last minute casting choice and he was only uh required for one day of shooting which makes sense sense. because ultimately Lee and Price are the only people that even share screen time together and that is like at the very end of the movie yes yep Yep, that totally makes sense. So, yeah. Uh, I, I weirdly enjoyed this movie as just like a totally crazy, like, what the fuck is going on kind of yeah. movie, but it's not great. No, it's, yeah. it's not great. Yeah. Um, after that, he is in Cry of the Banshee from the same director oh. as Scream and Scream Again. Um, and it, it takes place in 1500s England, a cruel witch hunting magistrate who often tortures innocent villagers for his entertainment runs afoul of a witch who conjures a banshee to kill the magistrate and his family. Okay. Which sounds fun to me mostly because I love banshees and I uh-huh. feel like they are underutilized yeah, as an evil villain. Right, they're not like one of the popular, they're not yes. a vampire or a werewolf. or uh, yeah. Also, I think I only love banshees because it was one of the early episodes of um, 
oh, what's that show called on Disney that I was so weird? So weird, yeah. Yeah, uh, was obsessed with that show. The one about the, the mom's like a touring musician and the kids are like... Uh, yep, she has a blog and she X like Files. writes about like weird stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's like X-Files for kids, yeah, yeah. which I liked watching the X-Files yeah. with my parents anyway, so I loved I always this thought show. it was so funny, but it kind of makes some kind of sense because they have to be in like different towns every episode or whatever, but it's like, it's so funny that the convention is like, oh yeah, their mom's like a famous touring musician. Yeah, like it just so happens every place they go on tour, yeah. there is this crazy thing. Yeah. Also, Eric Von Stanton is like right. one of the people in it and like so it's got that perfect 90s disney energy is uh henry winkler in that show too do i have a memory of that Henry Winkler. why do i have a memory of him being associated with that show no somehow idea. maybe doesn't ring a bell um in 1971 he was in the tv claymation movie oh. here comes peter cottontail I i've seen that he plays January Q. Irontail, which uh, is a hilarious name for what i assume is a rabbit character yeah <laughs> Uh, he is then in, oh, well, he narrates The Devil's Triangle, a Ooh. documentary exploring the mysteries of the Bermuda Triangle. Another thing I was obsessed with early on as a kid was yeah. the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. So Yeah, I, I had a fascination with that and like crop circles. There was definitely yep. like a part of my childhood that was like, what's all this weird shit people talk about going on in the world? We had this like very tiny section of my school, or not my school, but my town library that was like supernatural occult. Mm-hmm. It was like maybe 15 books at the most. And I just like constantly would take yeah. them out of the library because they had like a Loch Ness monster Loch Ness, one Bigfoot. and I was obsessed yeah. with the Loch Ness. And so, yeah, anything I could read mm-hmm. about that, I was on board with. Um, and then after that, he is in The Abominable Dr. Five. Hell yeah. Which I think we watched recently, yeah. not for this episode, but just because. Yeah, because I bought the, yeah. um, there's a two pack Blu-ray from Kino. Uh, and uh, somebody recommended it to me as like a colorful, fun movie from this era, and uh, they're not wrong. No, it's really great. Um, There are two movies specifically around this time that are kind of just about Vincent Price being this like serial killer that ha- makes these like very grand like theatrical murders for each yes. of the people he is going after yes. for like a very specific reason. Yeah, you could actually this movie is an interesting precursor to like Saw. You, you could argue that this movie is like oh, almost like the progeni- like the genesis yeah. of of a Saw type movie. Yeah, essentially in the movie he is uh this person whose wife died on the surgery table. And so he is getting revenge on all of the doctors who went after her. I forget exactly how he decides to kill each doctor. There was some, it was like maybe a, um, it's a literary thing, isn't it? It may have been literary. Yeah. There were like these runes, I think that he was using that I forget like what exactly they connected to. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. Apparently, Cushing was originally cast, oh. but he declined because his wife was in poor health at the time. So it seems like they did try to do a couple more of these, like, Price Cushing movies. Um, and in order to gain more publicity, the film was also advertised as Vincent Price's 100th film, which oh. is pretty interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, it's, it's literature in some way, because the other one is Shakespeare plays, which we'll talk about at some point. But this one yes. is something else. This one is Poe or something. I can't remember. He, but he's like, he's reenacting something out of, out of literature. Yeah. I, I can't remember what it is, though. Um, but yeah, each kill is based on like a specific thing from a specific writer. I, I can't remember what, though. I want to say that it would be like on like the Wikipedia description or right. something, but um, yeah, maybe I can find that at some point. Um, 
One of the other leads of this movie apparently would grumble on set that he had to remember and deliver lines while Vincent Price was able to do all of his lines, um, have them be like post-dubbed, in which Price responded, yes, but I still know them, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which, in fact, Price was well known in Hollywood for his ability to memorize all of his characters' lines in a given production, um, not just his own, which I was is actually fascinating. thinking about that during something we'll talk about in a little bit, but the roller coaster thing, I was thinking about how there were some shots in that where it's like, there's no way he's teleprompting this. He had to have memorized this in order to deliver it uh, under these circumstances. Oh, so Fibes uses the 10 plagues of Egypt as yes. his inspiration. That's what it so is, it's the is, Bible. Yeah, so it's all of those. Uh, it's biblical, yeah. yes. Which, yep. yeah, it is a book. <laughs> I, I knew it was literature in some way that it was like, cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, apparently Price often cracked up during the filming and would wreck his makeup so they constantly had <laughs> to do his makeup over because he does have some like crazy theatrical makeup that he, he does in this he does yeah I mean it's like a very colorful movie with a lot of yeah. like cool set pieces yeah great and... set design yeah um he is really good in this. There's yes. one we'll talk about like very soon after this that I think is like my favorite of these. Agreed. And it is like I think we're talking about the same movie. Yeah, yeah. but like this is also like a very good movie yes. in that vein of like Price doing theatrical deaths right, uh, for right. people. And now we've not watched the sequel, which is the next thing that he does. Yes. So the sequel comes out like right after this, which we uh, we have, but we haven't seen it yeah. yet. Um, so I am excited because it it is him just coming back. Doctor like, Fives <laughs> rises again that's what it's called which i'm interested like why because right. it seems like that was a very specific like ending to his like quest I know. Uh, so. and it's like was that a such a popular movie that they rushed a sequel like i can only right that's... yeah i mean maybe it was definitely like he was having a run in the 70s right. which is so interesting for an older actor where it was like yeah like boom like we keep like putting him in these different mm-hmm. movies um, but yes, after that, in 1973, he stars in Theater of Blood. This, personally, might be like my favorite of the Price stuff we watched. Which, this is considered by Vincent Price to be his personal favorite of all of his movies. No shit. Okay, yes. awesome. Because I did think this was terrific. It, it is it is so weird, but it is also because, like, he is this, like, uh, shunned Shakespearean actor mm-hmm. who everyone thinks died mm-hmm. uh, or killed himself, I believe. And then like a few years later comes back with a like gang of homeless people yep. uh, that help him commit all of his murders. Yep. Which are reenactments of deaths in Shakespeare plays. Yes. And specifically going after all of the critics who like panned mm-hmm. his uh, yep. performances. Yep. Um it is so good because, like, the each set piece for the death, I think, is, like, really well put together. Yes. More, Even more so than Fives. Agreed. I think, like, all of them have this, like, very specific, like, Shakespearean twist. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Price, like, apparently always wanted to do Shakespeare. So this was really fun for him to get to do, like, the horror version of Shakespeare. Because he also is delivering Shakespeare lines throughout the whole movie. He, he literally does, like, the soliloquies, uh, you know, as he's killing people, yep. basically. Which is really cool. Really fun. Um, also, funny thing I found out today was that Price fell in love with and married Coral Brown, who is, I believe, the woman he kills at the hair salon. Oh. Um, 
Following the production, the marriage lasted from July 10th to August 17th, oh 1972. <laughs> but Dame Diane Rigg, who was also one of the stars of the film, uh-huh. noticed the chemistry, chemistry between them and like set them up. That's and so hilarious. they like had this whirlwind romance for like a month. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, but also that is one of my favorite kills because he also has... This one, he has insane costumes. Yes, he does. Um, in order to, like, get into people's houses and, like, you know, I guess show his acting chops. Like, he pretends to be all of these different people. So, in this one scene, he pretends to be a hairstylist yep. who is, like, clearly supposed to, like, come off as queer uh, mm-hmm. to this woman. And wearing this insane afro. Crazy afro wig. <laughs> Like him just styled like as a cool like 70s like hipster guy. He looks like a disco daddy. But like, I don't know what, he's like in his 50s or 60s at that time. So it's like hilarious. Um, There is a scene where he dresses up like a chef that is like (laughs) a little disturbing, but also hilarious. Uh Like he he gets to have so much fun and just like do these insane performances. And then Diana Rigg is incredible in this movie as his like daughter, I believe. Right. Um, She's like assisting him in his uh, production. In his quest. And she's fucking fantastic. Um, I forget like what we had seen her in recently well because remember she's uh she's got that great part in um last night in soho yes that's it Mm -hmm. okay um yeah she's fantastic uh so yeah this was just a joy to watch um also apparently vincent price played a duke in the tower of london in 1939 who was drowned in a vat of wine which is also one of the uh major deaths of this movie very fun i loved theater of blood i I bought this like immediately the next kino sale i was like done buying it um because I, I just can't wait to watch this again. Yeah, if you haven't seen this, this to me is like essential price. And I feel like doing this, it's interesting to break it down in this way because I feel like the price movies we've talked about already are maybe some of the more like what we think about mm-hmm. when we think about Vincent mm-hmm. Price. But I think like some of the more like interesting like he's like scene chewing and yeah. like he has this status as the like king of screams or whatever people call him and like that means he gets to have fun because i think at this point if you were an actor with his stature i feel like you'd kind of be like half-assing some of this like i feel like we've covered some people who it's like by the time they're later in their career and they're still doing all the genre stuff they're like okay uh but he just like gives 110 percent to like every fucking production he is in yeah even even his two scenes in scream and scream again he's really really good amazing yep um, and anytime he's on screen, he's like, I just like giggle, like, cause uh-huh. he says something or gives some delivery that is so perfectly him. Yeah. Uh, and it just is like beautiful to watch. So yeah. this is like such a fun. Uh, 1974, he is in the movie Madhouse, uh, which there are a couple movies called Madhouse that are, came out around this time, but this one is specifically about a horror movie star who returns to his famous role after years in a mental institution, um, but the character seems to be committing murders independent of his will. Um, so oh, right, yeah, okay. Yes. So this was a Cushing Price movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was fun because Price is playing an aging like film star yeah, he sort of gets to play himself yeah. there's even some self-referential stuff where like yeah. Cushing and Price kind of talk to each other about being uh, you know like these scream 
kings or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, this uh, reminded me a little bit of the movie. What's it called? Targets, the mm-hmm. uh, Bogdanovich movie. Right. Yes. Because. Um, Boris Karloff is kind of doing this self-referential thing of being this, like, aging, like, horror film star that is, like, he's a little dejected about his Mm -hmm. career. Um, But then it also has clips from all of these old movies that he did, which they also do the same thing in Madhouse, where they intercut, like, the movies that they're saying are his, like, greatest movies Mm -hmm. are all, like, actually clips from real movies that he did at the time. Yeah, a bunch of the Corman movies. Yeah, yeah. which was pretty fun. But then, yeah, like he's doing this role as someone who, you know, was this big star of the time. And then this murder happens and he believes he is the culprit of. And so he goes to an asylum for all of these years and they decide to bring the character back. And Cushing is his like uh, he is the writer of all of mm-hmm. the movies that he works on. So they work really closely together. Um I liked this one like pretty pretty well enough. I think there are really good performances, yes. and there are also some pretty fun set pieces in this movie too. This is a movie where by the end, when it was like revealed what was happening and like it all yeah. kind of came together, I was like, oh, I really love this concept. But the actual like execution of it along the way was like occasionally boring, a little convoluted. Yeah, like I agree. Um, yeah, there was definitely like some okay, what are we doing here? Yeah. And it almost feels like they were trying to elongate the story mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime it's just like him and Cushing doing things. They're having really a lot fun. of fun in this movie together, yeah. Um, in uh, this movie, Peter Cushing dresses up as Dracula, yep. Yep. which was very, uh, very fun for us, especially since he often played Van Helsing mm-hmm. in the Hammer Dracula movies. Mm-hmm. So he gets to then dress up as Dracula, which was so great to see. Yep. Um, and the movies that they show in this specifically are Tales of Terror and uh, The Raven from 1963, as well as uh, The House of Usher, um, which this was uh, made for AIP. Um, yeah, American and, International. And this was the last movie that Price did with them. He worked oh. with them for 14 years so yeah. on like, all of these different films. Yeah, I mean, that title card came up on a ton of stuff we watched in the last couple yeah. weeks. Which makes sense, too, because I feel like these were often a lot of like British productions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that like kind of makes sense to me, too. Um, but it was also interesting, the title credits include special participation by Basil Rathbone and mm-hmm. Boris Koloff, who had both died by this point. But because they showed some of these older yeah. films, they do get this special credit at the beginning, which, which cool. was was really nice to see. Because I know we talked about some of the Price Karloff films, um, yeah. which we haven't been able to see yet, but no. I would really like to. Um so yeah, this this is a pretty fun watch, I feel like, if you just love yeah. watching Price do his thing. He also plays a little bit different because he isn't doing like that savory murderous thing. He's this man who like He's like afraid for himself. Yeah. He's yeah. like afraid of this character that he mm-hmm. used to love that is like this monster and uh but he also has this like really great death scene at yeah. the end too that's fun. Yeah, it, it is good. It, it I but it's also, like, yeah, it just uh, by the end of it, I was like, boy, it's such a good concept. Like, I actually wish the movie was, like, better, you yes, know? Yes, for sure. Um, after that, he is in a movie called It's Not the Size That Counts. <laughs> which I what do you think this movie could be about? Who knows? I, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> it is about Percy, the man with the world's first penis transplant. Okay, actually, I did not expect <laughs> it to be specifically about that. Uh, he discovers that there is a chemical in the city's water that makes men impotent. Okay. Yep. 
I'm a little. I mean, I like guess what? I guess those two facts are related tangentially in some way. That seems yeah. strange. Seems very strange. Uh, after that, he in 1975 does a TV movie uh, that is Alice Cooper: The Nightmare. I feel like I've heard Jimmy Pardo talk about this. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Price plays the spirit of the nightmare. Uh-huh. Um, it is uh, Stephen, a character from Alice Price's album "Welcome to My Nightmare." Alice encounter- or Alice Cooper. What yeah. did I say? You said Alice Price. Alice Price. Yeah. Wrong. Uh, Welcome to My Nightmare encounters a surreal dream fantasy guided by the spirit of the nightmare. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, Yeah, and then right after that, he, in 1979, does The Strange Case of Alice Cooper, which is a live concert stage show based on his 78 album, From the Inside. That's interesting. It's what a funny pair of people to end up, like, together, you know? it's, it's interesting, too, and I think this is, like, what really, like, can sometimes save like these genre stars as they're aging are these like people that are like grew up with them Mm -hmm. and are now in a position where they can now hire that person and be like oh yes like you were my childhood like star like i want you to now like be in my movie or production or whatever and that's very cool yeah that is interesting that does make sense right alice cooper of course probably must be a fan of yeah yeah yeah, Yeah, yeah. i can only assume um and then we get to his career in the 80s. Uh, so for TV, he was in The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, playing uh-huh. Vincent Van Gogh. So this might be like why I'm familiar with Vincent Price more specifically, if that makes any kind of sense. Like I watched a lot of Scooby-Doo growing up. I like I know who the Harlem Globetrotters are because of Scooby-Doo. Oh, me too. You know uh, what I mean? Like, Josie so, and the Pussycats? Right. So yep. like, it wouldn't surprise me if my first exposure to Vincent Price as a child was Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about that, too. It's similar with um, like people that do a lot of um, the voice acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget his name now. Keith uh, David? Keith David. There we go. Uh, like, when we did Keith David, I was like, oh, Keith David was probably a huge part of my childhood oh, because yeah. he did all of these, like, kids' TV shows and was in, like, um, Keenan and Kel, mm-hmm. like, all of this stuff, um, which was kind of yeah. cool. Um So after that, he does, oh, the Thriller music video. Uh, He has a voice at the end. Uh, There is like a voiceover uh, that is Vincent Price. Mm -hmm. And since Halloween just passed, I've listened to Thriller like a bunch of times. And his narration is just so fun and good. And is like actually gives me chills when I listen to that music now. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's like one of the greatest music videos of all time. I think part of it is not just the not just the dance, not just the costumes, not just that it's such a great song, but it is the sort of all of these things come together, including Vincent Price and his performance yeah. in it that turn it into this like, yeah, somebody made a music video that's legitimately like a good, fun, spooky yeah. thing to add to your Halloween playlist, yeah. you know? And it's this iconic song yeah. that people fucking love. Yeah. And like he again, like gets to be a part yeah. of of this other piece of like really big, like American kind of, uh, I don't know, like filmography. Yeah, yeah, like mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we just watched this. Uh, Vincent Price is in a TV documentary called American Screams, in which he hosts um, and talks about the history of the amusement park and roller coaster industry in the United States. Yep, it fucking rules. It's on YouTube. <laughs> I highly recommend it's watching it. It's 30 minutes long. It's 30 minutes. It's very entertaining. It is more entertaining than some of the like 90-minute movies we watched of his. He's so fun and charming. You get to listen 
to him giggle and scream while he rides a bunch of roller coasters. There's a whole fucking shot where he is like, there's a bunch where they have him monologuing at the camera while the roller coaster is going up that yeah. like initial hill, which kind of makes sense, right? Like, okay, that's like right before it gets really exciting. You could probably like deliver a monologue. And to then camera. we get to see his reaction. Yeah. And then you get to see him scream as he goes down. Yeah. But then there's one where he's just on the roller coaster, like during the going down, going fast, yeah. going around curves. And he's screaming into camera <laughs> about the history of whatever ride he's on. It's, it's incredible. Also, I also love when they do this thing, when they have like a narrator that's famous. So they have to keep showing them. And so yeah. like Vincent Price will like pop out behind a roller coaster and be like, ah, and yeah. then this roller coaster in 1920. There's and you're like, okay. There's a shot of him walking down a boardwalk talking about the, the American hot dog. Yeah. And there's like all of these kids that see a camera and like a famous guy they recognize and they just start following him. By the end yep. of the shot, there's just a crowd of children like staring directly into the camera as he's delivering a monologue about hot dogs. It's so good. Like, so I looked this up today because I was pretty sure this was a Vincent Price fact. I just happened to know. Right. And one of the reasons I think he is just such a charming human is that he just fucking loves roller coasters. Mm -hmm. And he says it in uh, the documentary that I think like at a very young age, like every year for his birthday, he and his family went to this specific amusement yep. park and then he eventually got to take his kids there and so like this is his shit yeah and then he gets to just narrate a documentary yeah. about it it's great he calls them roly coasters roly coasters roly coasters uh absolutely charming human yeah. being um in 1981, he is in The Monster Club with John Carradine and Donald Pleasance. It's a, it's a group of hammy hammers, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> I know. A writer of horror stories is invited to a, quote, monster club by a mysterious old gentleman. The three, uh, their three gruesome stories are told to him. Between each story, some musicians play their songs. Okay. So it's like an anthology movie? <laughs> yes, All with right. like weird musical vignettes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then in 1982, he he is in the Tim Burton short film, Vincent. Yeah. Which about is a young wonderful. boy who would like to become Vincent Price when he grows up. Yeah. This is very much in the vein of like some of um, Burton's like very early work, which I always really enjoyed, where he's sort of trying to be like Edward Gorey. He's like doing yeah. these little poems with these little drawings of like little kids doing weird stuff. Yep. And this is kind of like an animated version of one of those where Vincent Price is reading the rhyming poem about the kid. Um, and it's in the animation style that Burton will go on to be associated with yeah. which is actually more like a Henry Selleck thing but mm -hmm. it is the style of like you know it feels like it's kind of a a, a, a primer for him to do larger work like Nightmare Before Christmas. It's funny you mentioned Gory too, because when I was watching it, I have all of these Edward Gory postcards mm -hmm. that I love. And there's specifically the design of the dog in that. Yep. I was like, oh, that looks exactly like one of the dogs that Edward Gory drew, um, yep. which is such a good combination. Because then in this too, they also talk about Edgar Allan Poe a lot. So yes. it's just like perfect combination of yep. all of these like, horror elements that I think like I specifically love a lot and probably a lot of other people do too. Mm -hmm. um, so also the first Burton thing I have watched in a very long time and made me very nostalgic for the time when Tim Burton was not just a parody of himself uh -huh. <laughs> um, yeah. because this was like 
beautiful looking oh, yeah, and great. like really charming and funny and it yeah. just rhymes um, yeah. in the cutest way. And Price is so good at delivering stuff yeah. like this. Like he's terrific for something like this. Yeah. It's, yeah. And as like a kid that grew up on Nightmare Before Christmas, like this is like the shit that got me later into horror. This was like why I was a creepy kid because I watched things like this. I he made a movie called Frankenweenie that I watched on Disney Channel a lot as a kid, yeah. and it is one of the early sort of like oh I think I like spooky weird stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was important. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then in 1983, he is in House of the Long Shadows, which is a Price Lee Cushing movie that is actually a Price Lee Cushing movie. Yeah, they're, in which they all share the screen. They share the screen. They're really in it together. Yeah, uh, yes. a lot of screen time for everybody. Yeah, um, yeah, like Price or Lee and Cushing show up. I think like 40 minutes mm-hmm. in or something. There's this whole like younger cast that's kind of like throwaway yeah. nothing people, um, but they're all really good. And of course, like chew scenery really well together. Yeah. Um, it, this also a canon film yeah uh which i remember seeing this in the canon documentary and it feels like a big deal that they eventually got these three people together and actually got them to like act together i'm sure for canon that felt like oh my god like we'll make a million billion dollars by getting these three guys in a movie together yeah it's and it's it's like it's not a great movie but there's a lot of good fun stuff in it it's it's an old dark house riff It's a bunch of people get stuck in a house together overnight. Although it has a funny uh, sort of twist on that where it's more like people keep showing up to this house all night long. A house that is supposed to be abandoned. Yeah, a house that's supposed to be empty. Just like more and more people just keep showing up all night long. It's almost like the movie Mother. It's like, you know, it's like more people just keep showing up. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, you know, and it's... I think it could be more fun, but it is pretty fun. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're, these are good parts for these three guys, and it's fun to watch them together. Yeah. Like, Price has this line where he, I think I can find it because I wrote it for uh, my review, um, that he just delivers in such a perfectly priced way where I was like, oh, he's still got it. Uh-huh. He says, please don't interrupt me while I'm soliloquizing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's the funniest line. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think they're really great in it. Um Cushing, I feel like you can kind of like see he's a little older and it seems like maybe he has like dentures because his like his sounds voice a sounds a little different. Um, but I think they all still like ha- really have it. Oh, yeah. It's so lovely to see. Um, I think this is a little boring, but like it has this great twist. It has like three twist endings. <laughs> the first one you're like. Okay. Um, like the Lee one actually has like some good stuff. Yeah. And then the second one is like, oh, this is like a great ending. I think this really turned the movie yep. around for me. And then the third one is lame as shit. Yep. And I was like, oh, well, never mind. Yep. yep. Uh, which is such a disappointment. But um, there is some fun stuff about this movie. Um, this is the 24th and final film in which Lee and Cushing appear together. Holy shit, they were in 24, 24 movies together? Because they were in all of those Dracula know, movies yeah. together. Um, apparently, Carradine fell asleep through a lot of the filming because <laughs> he was especially old. Uh, specifically, this says he was in the land of Nod for most of the <laughs> se- much of the scene that uh, he fell asleep in. Um, and then it says, although Cushing killed Lee in six films... Uh, 
this was the only film in which Lee killed Cushing. Okay, all right, fun, fun. Which is yep. also pretty fun. Yep. Um, so just some like fun like details for like really like horror fans that are like really into this stuff. Uh, one of my favorite things about the movie was that each time one because like these they get introduced to the movie individually. That like I said, everybody's walking into the house like one at a time yeah. over the course of the movie, and so Price comes in, and then Cushing comes in, and then Lee comes in. Like they yeah. and they they the filmmakers did a very good job of each time one of them entered the movie they gave them the kind of shot that that person would yeah. get in their most famous movies yeah. like the way lee enters this movie is as if he's dracula in a hammer movie yeah price uh gets this really great moment where someone is standing on the stairs and the door opens and you just see his shadow get yep. bigger and bigger until it is like completely covering this person yep. and it just like you're like yes this is how he should be yeah. uh recognized um after that, in 84, he is in Bloodbath at the House of Death. Uh, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> Six scientists investigate a strange phenomena uh, in a creepy manner. Uh, the site of a mysterious massacre years earlier that took the lives of 18 guests in one night. That sounds good. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like, um, I don't know, like those like paranormal investigation kind of movies. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, like that, that sounds kind of like Prince of Darkness. Yeah, and there's that one we watched uh, that I can't remember the name of now the uh, it was at like one of the exhumed events um and oh. it was like all these paranormal investigators like that like specify in a specific area come to this haunted house to like investigate the haunting it was uh, i know is that called hell house is that the one with um, i think that's hell house yeah what's his name's in it um from yeah. fright night yep Mm-hmm. Why can't I think of his name now? Roddy. Yeah, Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there we go. I think that's called Hell House. Yes, uh, it like kind of sounds like that, but with like scientists, who I assume are trying to like you know right. disprove things. Yeah. Um, also, bloodbath at the House of Death sounds like a redundant uh, a thing to have happened. Yes, love it. Um, eighty six. He is in Escapes, which is a TV horror anthology that Price hosted. Okay, and then he is also in The Great Mouse Escape, which I have not seen in years, but another early childhood uh, gateway to seen that. What is that? Uh, The Great Mouse Escape is. Oh, here I can get it on IMDb. I'm here. Uh, yeah, it like sounds familiar, but I'm like, why does that sound familiar to me? Professor Radigan. That's yeah, who he Professor plays. Radigan. It's so perfect. Oh yes, yes. Okay, yes, yes. This is the um the like Sherlock Holmes as a mouse yes. Disney movie. There are a couple Disney movies about mouse mices around or mice around this time. And so I feel like I get them all confused. Yep. Um but yes, that makes sense that this is the like Sherlock Holmes mystery one. Yep. Okay. And makes sense that price would then be in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's the Great Mouse. That's why I was confused. It's the Great Mouse Detective, not detective. the Great Mouse Escape. Escape is the <laughs> name of the mind. previous thing in in uh, his filmography. Oh, okay. It's, it's the Great Mouse Detective. The Great Mouse Detective. So that's just me. That's why it like wasn't ringing any bells for me. Notes. <laughs> Um, then he is in The Whales of August, which is a drama that he was in with Bet Betty Davis, oh, which okay. sounded cool. Yeah. 
Um, and then he is in From a Whisper to a Scream. Um, I kind of wanted to watch this one because former killer bee Susan Terrell is also in this movie. Hell yeah. Wow. They were in a movie together? Wow. Wow, Right? Crazy energy. Like, if they share a screen together, I feel like it would implode. Yeah. Um, In a small Tennessee town, a historian relates four horror stories to a reporter. Yeah, a lot of anthology towards the end of his career, it seems. Which kind of makes sense. Yeah. Eighty-seven. He is in the Little Troll Princess, another animated feature. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, and then he's in Dead Heat, which I have not seen this movie, but I know it is like a beloved cult classic. Yeah, we wanted to see this, but we didn't didn't make time for this one. Yeah. So a cop is killed investigating a strange case of resurrected corpses. His partner and a pathologist resurrect him, but he only has a limited time before he starts to decompose, and uh, he is used to chase down the diabolical man who killed him. It's uh, that is weirdly similar to the premise of Brian Fuller's show about the pie maker. Oh yes, you're right. Uh, right? Pushing daisies. Yeah, yeah, I loved that movie. Yeah, Lee Pace. Yep. Mwah, yep. Beautiful. Um, and then in 1988, he is in a TV movie called Ghost Ship, not to be confused with the 2000s Ghost Ship. Right. But right. there is no other information about this movie. We on just IMDb. know it exists. Got yep. it. <laughs> Uh, then we get to his his roles in the 90s. Uh, for TV, he was on Tiny Toon Adventures. No shit. Okay, so that's another way I would have known him growing yes, up. Yes, for sure. Uh, 1990, he is in a movie called Catch Fire, which is directed by Dennis Hopper. Oh, sure, sure. Okay. Uh, yep. Starring Hopper, Dean Stockwell, Jodie Foster, and John Turturro. It's a pretty good cast. Yeah. Um, it's like a mob movie. Yeah. Um, then he's in Hed- Edward Scissorhands, which is probably one of the early ones for me because my mom like loved early uh, Burton stuff too. And so she like slowly showed us a lot of like Burton. She also loved Johnny Depp at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, sore subject, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this was probably one of the early ones for me too. Is he Edward's he, dad in that movie? He's the scientist. And it is like, he is like very clearly very old. Yeah. Um, he was actually supposed to have a larger role, but the actor was pretty ill. Um, at the time, he had um, emphysema and Parkinson's disease, so his oh sh- scenes were cut um, pretty short. So you get all of these flashbacks of like Edward kind of being socialized right. by his creator. Um, and then there is this scene where he like the reason Edward doesn't have his hands is because he was about to get them and he died before like oh. the creator like dies in front of him before he is able to like actually attach them. Right. Um, so it is like about all of this. Yeah. An insanely emotional, like What's every weird, time though, he's I, on screen, it's so emotional. I remembered price in the movie. Like I barely remember this movie, but yeah. I remembered distinctly that like, yeah, I think price is like his, like yeah. his dad his creator. Yeah. Yeah. This was written for him. Yeah. And I think they said that Burton's second pick, if for some reason price couldn't do it was Leonard Nee. Way. Oh, interesting. Um, but like makes total sense that, you know, again, I assume this is a person that really influenced Burton's career. Well, and he does a very, I don't know if you know this, but he does a very similar thing in his Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie where mm. Christopher Lee is um, uh, uh, Willy Wonka's like dentist father. Oh, that there I are like flashbacks about to. that. Yeah. So he like, he clearly loves this group of like older horror actors. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because yeah. that movie I've like almost totally yeah, erased yeah. from my brain. <laughs> um, but yeah, like every scene he is in is really emotional because he is so much older. But like then, yeah, that death scene right. is like one of like one of his last big roles. Yeah. Um, 
Then in 92, he is in a TV movie called The Heart of Justice that also has a crazy cast. Eric Stoltz, Jennifer Conley, Dennis Hopper, and Dermot Mulroney. That is a crazy cast. Um, and then in 93, he was in The Thief and the Cobbler, which oh, is yes. the movie that is very similar to Aladdin that has yep. like a really crazy history because it holds the record for the longest production schedule yep. of a completed film, 28 years. Yep. Um, so yeah, this I think was technically like created and like written before Aladdin. Very much but, so. Yeah. Uh, and Aladdin comes out like the year before. And so this kind of like, yeah, is like a nothing, you know, it doesn't do anything at the box. Yeah. Office. Which I've never seen. It's supposed to be um, wonderful. It's supposed oh, to be, really? a, yeah, it's supposed to be really good. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, so that, that's like the very last thing that, that he does, um, before he passes away. Um, yeah. And like, who knows when he even recorded his voice work for it, considering the long production schedule on it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Cause I think, I'm sure I have it written down here, but he, I think did die in 93. That sounds right to me. Um, so I assume it was like, like right at the end of his life, he was, he did the voice recording. Right. Um, I can get that here. Yeah, 93, um, yep. October 25th in Los Angeles, California. Yeah, but my point was like, who knows? He could have oh, done that yeah, yeah. years before, and it just so happens to come out in like the last That's year true. of his life, you know? Um, so, yeah, that that wraps up his career, which is an insane career. Totally nuts and like <laughs> full of stuff that, like, I guess a lot of it is what you would expect given his like pop culture yeah. uh, uh, presence, right? Like what we think of and what we know of uh, Vincent Price, how we think of mm -hmm. him. But it's really cool getting to like go back and like see some of those earlier roles where he's still developing like what the Vincent Price thing yeah. is. And then also getting to see like those 70s movies where he's like riding high on like what the Vincent Price thing yeah, is, you know? For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have some other notes here that are like more like fun things about him that I found. Um, so during the 70s and 80s, he really restricted himself to mainly voiceovers and TV appearances. Um, and then eventually his like final role on screen is Edward Scissorhands, which was written for him. Um, he dies at the age of 82. Uh, People magazine eulogized him as uh, the gabble of gothic. Okay. Um, much earlier, an English critic named uh, Gilbert Ader uh, spoke for many fans when he said, every man ha has his price and mine is Vincent. <laughs> Just such a good line. Um, his ashes were scattered off the California coast in um, of Malibu um, together with his favorite gardening hat. Again, like what an adorable human. Um, apparently he and Lee were born on the same day, which is pretty interesting. And then Cushing was born the day before them. Oh no shit. Well, do you remember there's that wonderful, I, I, I would recommend people look this up, um, go to YouTube and try, I don't know what it's called, but try and find the clip of Christopher yes. Lee and Vincent Price on a TV show from the seventies. It might've been that show. That's like your, your remember your life or whatever. It was. I'm not oh, sure. Maybe. But I, anyway, yeah. Lee is like the guest yes. and they, the, the, whoever the host is, is like, Oh, we have a very special prize for, you know, surprise for you on your birthday, Christopher. And then boom, Vincent Price comes out from behind the curtains and, Tells a story, oh, we share a birthday and, you know, a very happy birthday to my wonderful so friend, Christopher. And yeah, uh, really awesome. Uh, yeah, we can try to find that and post it, too, yeah. when we do the social media for this. Um, apparently, he loved opera. He was an avid gourmet.
gourmet chef, which I do know because he has a cookbook, has a which cookbook. I need to find yep. and get because it is still around. Um, he wrote apparently a number of cook- cookbooks and often used uh, used to cook meals for his co-stars, oh, which is cute. adorable. Yep. Um, he had his own mail order book club in the seventies called Vincent Price Books, <laughs> which specialized in mystery and detective novels. Awesome. I would have like paid so much money for that service. Yep. Um, he was the host of the BBC radio show The Price of Fear. <laughs> um, he was the Wednesday night host of CBS Radio's Sears Mystery Theater, which <laughs> another one of these, um, and also was the host of the Mutual Radio Theater, okay. um, which he just seemed to do tons of this stuff. Yeah. Um, he received his bachelor's um, in, at Yale in art history oh. um, and wrote a syndicated art column in the 60s. Oh, shit. He was an avid art collector and founded the Vincent Price Gallery on the campus of East Los Angeles College and encouraged others to develop a personal passion for art. Very cool. Um, Was a close friend of Cassandra Peters, which is also fucking adorable. Cassandra Peterson, yeah. Um, Elvira. Yes, Elvira, Mistress of Darkness. Mm -hmm. And then, according to Price, when he and Peter Lorre went to view Bela Lugosi's body at Lugosi's funeral, uh, Lorre, upon seeing Lugosi dressed in his famous Dracula cape, quipped, uh, do you think we should drive a stake through his heart just in case? (laughs) (laughs) Which is just a hilarious moment between these people. That's great. Um, So I also love that he had connections with all of these like really iconic actors too, who who we love from like early horror. Yeah, Um, I mean, he was such a significant piece of American pop culture, like basically before Uranai's time. And so much so that we still grew up with him. Yep. You know, uh, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, because, like, my mom grew up with him. Like, my mom loves Vincent Price. She was so excited we were doing these episodes because she watched all of his movies really young. And then she got to also, like, share all of these movies with, like, us when we were kids because he was, like, doing stuff in the 90s. And so it's just that generational thing that is, like, really beautiful. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, I love him. I love him so much. He's so fun. He just seems like he was the best person. I would give anything to hang out with him. Yeah. Yeah, so cool. And, uh, you know, a wonderful way to celebrate Killer Bees Season 3. Yeah, and to celebrate Halloween. Uh, I feel like he he is what Halloween feels like to me, so I always want to, like, watch his movies and such when we do this. Yeah. Um, Cool. Yeah, so that's the Season 3 finale. Yeah. We'll take a couple months to backlog some more episodes. Yeah, we'll probably be back, like, winter, early spring. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, season four, and oh. we'll have some more guests. We'll have some, hopefully, some more exciting people to talk. I know we have more exciting people to talk about. Yeah. Our list is very long. So, and if you want us to like be posting anything, doing anything specific on our social while we are on hiatus, please let me know. I'm always looking for ideas just to like, you know, make sure that we're have our social media presence. Yeah, that's a fucking thing that's important. Yeah, so. you can reach us at killerbspodcast at gmail dot com. Yes. if uh, you have any suggestions. Yes. And, of course, we are on uh, all of the social medias, at least as long as Twitter is still, uh, you know, a thing. Yeah. Uh, Should we pay that $8 to get uh, No. I bet by the time this episode comes out, which is literally two days from now, that that website won't even exist anymore. (laughs) Yeah, like, you might listen to this, and Twitter has been, like, obliterated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and make sure to check out my writing. Um, 
at Movie John, and uh, Hear a Scream Volume 2 has finally come out, yes. so you can purchase that on Amazon. Congratulations to you. Yeah, you can read my personal essay about uh, how Cronenberg has uh, shaped me as a person and a horror lover. Um, also, just like get to share that with like so many other amazing horror writers, yep. so I'm really lucky to be published alongside them. Um, I have reviews up now for a few different things. Uh, Nokobo, as well as um, Holy Spider, which is fucking amazing and you should really go see it. Um, so yeah, follow me on the Neon Banshee on things and check out some of the writing. Yeah, and follow me at Philadelphia, that's with an F, on Twitter as long as it's still around and letterboxed otherwise. Yes. And uh, let's let's wrap up this season with a hearty buzz, buzz. buzz.